Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in the upstate of South Carolina. I am your host, Stan McCune, realtor right here, uh, located technically in Greer, South Carolina, but I am on the Greenville County side of Greer. So yes, I am your Greenville realtor. If you have any real estate needs, you can find all of my contact information in the show notes. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to meet with you. Text me, call me, uh, message me, however you find me. Um, I will respond. I can assure you of that. If I get the message, I will respond. I had someone recently say, hey, you didn't respond to that message because um, I didn't get it. If I, if I don't respond, that means I didn't get it. I operate my email on an inbox zero basis. That means I, uh, at any given time, attempt to have all of my emails filtered into folders, which means when I get a new email, I jump on it. I know it's important. I take care of it or I do something with it. So if I'm not responding to you, that means I'm not, you're not getting a hold of me, uh, is the long story short. So reach out to me, and if you don't hear from me, reach out to me uh, a different way, and then we'll make sure that we uh, reach each other. All right. With regard to the show, as I always say, please go ahead and give a rating and a review to the show. I always appreciate that. It helps the show. I'm getting a lot of feedback from you guys just saying, hey, I listened to that, or I like what you said about that. I would appreciate if, if you could also just express that uh, by means of a review. Just take a few seconds to just write that review. Um, that encourages me to keep the show going, because guess what? This is not an easy time for me to be podcasting. I'm working like 14-hour days right now, trying to help all my buyer clients, Um so, uh, yeah, it, I'm doing everything I can to keep this show going just to find an hour in my week to, to squeeze it in. So any encouragement I can get from you guys uh, to keep it going, which I plan to, but still, any encouragement I can get, uh, I would appreciate. All right, we're going to be talking about the pulse of the market today uh, and specifically what is uh, what is happening, and uh, do we see this market cooling down in the future? What do what does the data say? And anecdotally, what am I running into as a realtor right now? So we'll start with the just the anecdotal. Anecdotally, things have been are crazier than ever for me representing my buyer clients. It seems like this summer things went to a new level, a whole new level, and. Um, I, we'll get into this a little bit more, but right now uh, it is really, really difficult. If you're uh, if you're a buyer, unless you have substantial cash in the bank that allows you to waive appraisal contingencies, uh, that you know allows you to have a really strong loan program or basically a cash offer, it's it's extremely difficult uh, for you to play in this market. Now, obviously, I've got a lot of buyer clients that don't have. Uh, much more than three and a half percent or five percent to put down, three percent to put down, depending on the the loan program. And for those buyer clients, we we just have to be patient. We just have to keep making attempts, uh, making offers, and and uh, do, putting our best foot forward. And eventually, uh, we will find something that will go under contract. If you're listening and you're one of my buyer clients and you're like, when is when are we going to find something? When are we going to get under contract? It will happen. We just have to be patient. Um, but here's what I'm seeing. I, I'm seeing that this is, I, I don't want to say the new normal, 
Uh, but this normal that we have right now, this is here to stay for some time. And um, here is why I'm coming to that conclusion, not just anecdotally. Looking at the data, I see this in the data. Um, one thing, uh, let me back up for one second. One thing that the data doesn't really tell us is how many buyers are in the market. So that's that's the anecdotal part of it. We, we can measure supply in terms of how many homes are on the market, but it's not as easy to measure demand. We, we can look at historical demand, even you know as historical as last month, but that's not necessarily indicative of this month's demand. And that's where we have to kind of combine some of the data with some of the anecdotal uh, information that we have from me, from, uh, from others, uh, realtors that I've talked to, from some uh, podcasts that I've listened to, uh, from others that are really connected in the, in the real estate market. There's a lot of data out there, and you have to kind of connect it all together. Uh, so let's start with this. Let's look at the, uh, the number of new listings coming on the market. I pulled data from, I think it was May 6th to, to June 6th of this year. That I, I pulled all this a few days ago. I meant to record this a few days ago as well, but mind you, I've been busy. Um, this is uh, June 9th that I'm recording this. So from uh, from May 6th to June 6th, we had uh, 1,662 new listings for uh, single-family homes. Okay, we're, I'm focusing on that. Um, I didn't get into land and all of that. 1,662 new listings during that time period. Um, how does that compare to last year? Well, that is uh, almost 11% better than the same time period last year. So uh, so that's good. That's that's good. That's an improvement. That's This is what we need to see. We need to see more listings coming on the market. So nearly an 11% increase year on year for that period of time. That's great. That's what we want to see. That's We're going in the right direction there. Um, what about month over month? If we pull April 6th to, to May 6th, or roughly speaking, um, it's nearly a 5% increase over that time period from uh, basically the month of April. That's good as well. All right, we're trending in the right direction. But remember, last year in May, we were still uh, really in the early stages of COVID. So, you know, we had just had the however many weeks to flatten the curve and blah, 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 blah. And, and there was still, it was still crazy. Um, so it, it's really hard to, obviously, it, the comparisons fall short when we're comparing this time period this year to last year, uh, because last year we had so few listings coming on the market due to COVID for a variety of reasons. And, and that's something you can listen to the, my podcast from back then. We went ad nauseum into, into all of that. Um, so we really have to go back to 2019. Okay, 2019 is is when we need to to look back and and see compare listings now to to then. And normally, what we see is is kind of or what we hope to see at least is more listings every year. So we want to and and there's a simple reason for this. There's more people uh, in our area each year, and in theory, there should be more new construction coming on on the market every year. And so there should be more new listings, more houses sold, et cetera, et cetera every year with occasional dips, with occasional dips. Unfortunately, uh, the data, it, it, this is where the, the positivity ends. So uh, 2019, the same period, that May 6th to June 6th period of 2019, 
ha- we are down uh, almost 8% for that period this year versus that period in 2019. For the entire year to date, uh, 2021 versus 2019, same period of time, we are down 7 and a quarter percent new listings during that time period. Uh, so what was the market like in 2019? You know, how does that compare? Well, I will remind you that 20 that 2019 was still a seller's market. This was not a, it's not like we were in a buyer's market in 2019. Now, the market in 2019, it was a seller's market. It was not anything like the seller's market that we currently have, right? It was we were in the the three and a half month inventory range. Um, we typically look for a a comfortable kind of uh, equal uh, market to be around the the five to six month range, roughly speaking, which we have not been in five to six month inventory range in a very, very long time. So May of 2019, we're at three and a half months inventory. That is squarely a seller's market. That is still consistent multiple offers. That is still people uh, getting uh, upwards of 98% of, of uh, on average in the market what the house is listed for, which means that uh, most homes are getting at or above what they're listed for because that number is dragged down by those that overprice their homes and then have their homes end up selling for you know five to ten percent less than what it's listed for. So um, if even if we return back to May levels, we are still, in a sorry, in sorry, not May levels, 2019 levels, we are still squarely in a seller's market. I, we need to keep that in mind. Um, and <laughs> so, unfortunately, we aren't even back at those levels in terms of new listings, and uh, we have more buyers than we did back then. Again, that's hard to measure, but every source out there indicates that there are more buyers. And anecdotally, again, in Greenville, we are having people, I'm literally getting calls. I I can't tell you how many weeks straight I've gotten calls from people out of state that are moving, wanting to move here, Uh, out of country, wanting to move here. I'm getting calls. I've never had a string like this, a string of, I don't know, six, seven, or eight weeks of getting calls from people out of state looking to move here. Um, I know that that's not firm, that hard and fast data, but I've been a realtor for five and a half years. So uh, for me to have a streak like this that I've never had in my in my career, um, that tells me that uh, Greenville is, it, we're getting a lot of people just coming in here from outside the market. And that really makes things even tighter because those people don't, aren't selling a home here. Those people are, are only buying. So we have historically low inventory, but we also need to discuss what's happening here uh, and why the market, I think, this summer has gotten even crazier. Because now we have, uh, obviously, as we've talked about before, a glut of buyers in the market uh, that is being driven by the low interest rates, of course. Um, And, of course, the Fed is threatening to increase them, which it will. These interest rates are historically low, so they are going to go up. Everyone believes they're going to go up. So we've got all these buyers trying to cash in on the fact that they can, you know, get a home for like 3% or low 3%. In some cases, I just had a closing that was in the high 2% on a 30-year conventional loan. Um, Rates are still 
really, really mortgage rates still really, really low, really wonderful for people looking uh, to move here. Um, we've already talked about people moving here from out of town. That is a big driver. I, I was listening to a podcast recently about uh, some of these other areas that are seeing uh, tons of buyers move to them from out of state. Austin, Texas, for instance, tons of people from California moving to Austin, that Austin is now seeing uh, uh, appreciation, price increases year on year of 25%. 25%. Why is that? Because people with California incomes are are going to Austin and saying, you know, they sell their house in, in California, uh, have a cool $500,000 in their pockets, plus a California income drive up the prices 25%. Why not? We want to move to Austin. Uh, guess what? That's happening here in Greenville. We have people selling their homes in, in New Jersey and California and uh, who knows out, you know, where else saying, um, well, I, I've got all this money in my pocket. Um, let, let's, let's make a, an offer on, on a house down here that can't be, can't be refused. And then the market gets reset when that happens. Now you see prices uh, all over the place go up. And uh, and so we have that happening here. Um, obviously, we have those that sat out the market last year now gaining more confidence. Those that have been vaccinated, those that um, are less concerned about uh, COVID for, you know, for one reason or the other, um, those people now that sat out last year, are, we're seeing them enter into the market this year. And uh, this is also a very interesting one that I heard recently uh, from uh, Bloomberg is the idea uh, that is well documented. This is there. There is data behind this. I don't have all the data in front of me, but there is data behind this that there um, is a a new group of home buyers entering the market now that we call the sleepy Gen Xers. Okay, these are the people that are roughly forty to sixty years old now, and in some cases, some of them have never bought a home. They've never bought a home, and there's a reason why. There is a clear reason why the sleepy Gen Xers haven't bought a home, and that's because they were hit by the financial crisis in 2008 in ways that that others were not hit by it. But before they had an opportunity to become home buyers, and they lost their jobs, and they had all this hesitancy, and they've just decided, um, hey, we're just going to rent, or we're going to live with our parents, or or whatever the case may be. And what's been happening is the past 15 years, they've been saving up money. Well, I guess we can't say 15 years. Let's just say the past 10 years. They've been saving up money and waiting for the right time. And for some reason, COVID sparked for them that this was the right time. It was perhaps a combination of getting stimulus checks from the government that then added to that war chest that they had. Um, perhaps it was the fact that, that the uh, housing market didn't go into recession, that we didn't have a housing crisis. And so then they're like, oh, okay, every time something major happens in the global economy, it doesn't crush the housing market. That gives us more confidence to go out and buy a house. So we have an enti- basically an entire generation entering the housing market looking not to sell, looking to buy. Um, and again, there is, uh, there's a lot of data out there on this. Um, if you want to, if you want to listen to the podcast, there was a, a Bloomberg, Bloomberg podcast called Odd Lots. Um, it's a, it's a very good podcast. I just started listening to it. Um, and they covered this in a recent episode. Uh, I think it just came out this week. 
So you can listen to that odd lots. Uh, shout out to them. Great podcast. Um, and they, they talk about all sorts of things with the market. Um, so all in all, right, even though we're seeing an uptick in inventory right now, you know, year on year, month on month, it's pretty clear to me, at least, that more buyers have entered the market than sellers. Um, I can feel it. Um, what we're seeing is, you know, houses that in January might get two to three offers on them. Now we're getting eight to nine offers on them. That's how I'm feeling it. We we are consistently seeing now situations where there's eight to nine offers on on homes. That wasn't the case in January. In January is, you know, like I said, it's more like two to three houses. Uh, sorry, two to three offers on a house. Um, we're start. I'm starting to see offers that are 10, 15% above list price getting rejected. Um, that is a that is a change. It it was before it was more in like the five percent above list price range. Now that that has uptick to ten to fifteen percent. Um, I'm starting to see uh, ab- absorption happening. Um, this past week, um, I had multiple situations where either I was uh, attempting to show a house that had been on the market for a really long time, or put, or getting ready to write an offer on a house that had been on the market for a really long time. And right when I was about to do that, they went under contract. What in the world is happening there? Well, again, people are are looking at what's available. They're desperate. They need a place to buy, a place to move. And it's like, okay, let's look at what's been on the market for a while. It might not be perfect. It might be overpriced. But what's everything else that's on the market is not perfect and feels overpriced. So why not? Let's just uh, let's just go ahead and and buy those homes. So we're starting to see market absorption that we didn't see uh, earlier. So a lot of things happening uh, that uh, indicate to me that we have uh, are seeing a, a strong, strong buyer demand right now. Now, I will say this, okay? Usually in July, it, the market slows down ever so slightly, ever so slightly. And I usually attribute that to vacations. I don't know if that's going to happen this year or not. It didn't really happen last year. Um, but there is a possibility that we see a little calm in July. But then usually it picks back up in August. Again, we have to throw out kind of everything uh, in terms of historicals. Because last year we had to throw out everything historically. And we don't know when things are going to go back to normal uh, this year or next year or whenever. Uh, that podcast, that Odd Lots podcast that I uh, just referenced, they said that there might be uh, kind of a new normal here um, because primarily because of, of the, the Gen Xers entering in and some things going on with new construction and whatnot that I'm not going to get into here, that we might have a bit of a new normal. And if you're looking to buy right now, you don't want to hear that. But um, unfortunately, there is a good chance that that is the case. So now, <laughs> I'm not done yet. Now we're running into a new issue um, that ha- that I've heard hit other areas before it came to Greenville. The Greenville market is not the hottest market. I mean, Austin is a much hotter market than Greenville. We're not seeing 25% appreciation. There are other hotter markets, and I've heard of this phenomenon happening uh, in other markets to the extent that it hasn't yet happened in Greenville until just recently, I feel like. And that is that buyers that have been in the market a while, right, and they put offers on multiple properties, 
They have gotten outbid multiple times, and they're starting to get fed up and desperate, are now turning the market into an arms race. And let's say, you know, let's say you've been, you're a buyer, and you've been outbid two to three times, and, and you really need a place to move for a variety of reasons. You're running out of space, your current house, you got a bunch of kids, you need to move. Um, let's say you're coming, you're, you're, you're coming from an area where your rent is astronomically high and you can get that down a lot by buying a house here. You're relocating because you got a job here. What, whatever the case may be, you need to move and you keep losing out on homes that you're putting offers in on. What are you going to do? The next offer you make, you're going to be a little bit more aggressive. You're going to make it a little bit more enticing. Maybe you waive that appraisal contingency. You go substantially above list price. Maybe before you were only going 5% above list price. Now you're going 10% above list price, 15% above list price. Now, let's say that house uh, has eight offers on it, okay? And thanks to your aggressive offer, you get it. Well, congrats. That's awesome. You you beat uh, the field, which, you know, is it, hard to do. It's hard to do. So congratulations. But guess what? Now, there are seven buyers in the market who just got outbid by you, and they are more likely to be even more aggressive with their next offer. And so on and on the cycle goes. It's an arms race now. Every house that has multiple offers on it has multiple buyers, is representative of multiple buyers that are becoming more aggressive on future offers. So it's cascading. The market is is ratcheting up with each multiple offer situation. Until this year, as is offers. And when I say as is, I mean offers where you forfeit your earnest money if you find anything wrong with the house, if you can if you do inspections and you find something wrong with the house, you can't back out on the basis of those inspections. Those types of offers were exceedingly rare and you almost never saw them until fairly recently. Um, now they are becoming almost normative. We are we are seeing a glut now. And and this is really to me at least um, in, in terms of, of my clients. Um, really only the past few months that now we're seeing both on properties that I have listed uh, and and with uh, clients that are making offers that we're having to go the as-is route in order for those clients to have any shot, any shot at getting the house because of just how much competition that there is. And, and I hate it. I hate that for my buyer clients. I love it for my seller clients. I, I have a a uh, listing right now that has, is about as easy as possible because they've done no inspections on it because they did it as is and they were just like, you know what, we're not even going to do inspections. Well, great. I mean, that's the best case scenario if you're a seller. Um, but if you're a buyer, it's 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 really discouraging. You really have to take that showing seriously. And and I really, with my buyer clients, I really try to take it take it seriously where we look at the house and try to identify if there are parts of a house uh, that uh, could be problematic, uh, that could indicate that there's something wrong with it, so that we're in a position to potentially waive the inspection contingency. Uh, 
Unfortunately, there is not really a solution to this problem, if that's what you were about to ask me. Hey, Stan, is there a solution to the problem? At the moment, not really. Not really. I, um, I have some buyer clients who aren't desperate to move but would like to if the right house comes on the market. Um, but you know what? The odds are that there will be a desperate, more aggressive buyer putting an offer on the same homes that they're looking at. And so the not-so-desperate buyer that is hoping that this market slows down so that you know, so that they can, can find something, that not-so-desperate buyer um, that doesn't really want to get into a, a, a bidding war doesn't really have a choice. I mean, you have, you're going to get into a bidding war unless a property is dramatically overpriced. And we're seeing in some cases properties dramatically overpriced are still selling in some very unique cases. Um, so either you compete or you don't, there, there's no, Hey, I'm just gonna, um, submit a solid offer. No, there, there are no solid offers anymore. There are knock your socks off offers. And then there are offers that are simply not going to have a chance at making it. And listen, at the end of the day, I don't encourage any of my buyer clients to make an offer that they're not comfortable with. And I will submit an offer on behalf of my buyer clients that I think has only a 10, 15, 20% chance of making it. You you never know. There are times when those offers get accepted. Um, and and I don't want to, you know, if I've already shown the house to someone, um, you know, that's honestly the hard part. That's what takes the most amount of, of work and effort. Um, if I've already shown the house, let's go ahead and submit an offer. It doesn't it doesn't hurt to submit it, but we do need to to consider we do need to at least try to put our, our best foot forward with it. And whatever that best foot forward is, I'll represent my buyer clients on that. And and hopefully uh, we'll get maybe perhaps lucky on, on something. Um, I have had instances over the years, uh, not that long ago, I had an instance of this where, where I had a, a offer of one of my clients accepted where the seller said, and the listing agent said, this was not our, our highest and best offer, but they really felt confident with, with you and with the way you presented your offer and all of that. And they, they wanted to move forward with this. Um, and so uh, I always try to, to, even when I, I'm not confident an offer is going to be accepted, I always put my best foot forward on that offer in order to uh, inspire as much confidence as possible with with the listing agent and potentially with the seller, and there there are a lot of different ways to do that. We discussed that in previous podcasts, um, but it's tough if you're not a desperate buyer. Um, you have basically two options. If if you're uh, if you're wanting to buy, but you're like I'm okay where I am, you can either wait it out until interest rates go up, knowing that probably prices are not going to go down. So you're going to be paying more, most likely. Um, or you can decide uh, how aggressive you want to be and find your comfort level with being aggressive because right now you have to be extremely aggressive to compete, to make competitive offers. Will the market self-correct? Well, of course. The market always self-corrects in some way. But when? There's a problem here, and one of the problems is that that builders are really, really lagging behind, um, and that's usually wh- who we kind of rely on to help the market to self-correct. And remember, we're seeing fewer homes on the market now than in 2019, when 2019 was a seller's market. 
And we have substantially more buyers now than we did in 2019. And what's happening is these buyers, we're, not, we're now getting a backlog of buyers. Ima imagine real estate is like uh, a restaurant. It's the only restaurant in town, and it's got 100 seats. Um, loosely speaking, I know that not, you know, you have groups. You can't be 100% efficient, but we're just going to be theoretical here. Um, loosely speaking, if there are fewer than 100 customers at a time at that restaurant, nobody has to wait. Again, obviously, there will be some groups in there that will want to all be at the same table, but let's just pretend like that's not the case. 100 individual customers at a time, 100 seats. We can be 100% efficient if we have exactly the same number of customers as we have seats. Um, but the restaurant becomes more popular and lines begin to form. And as the wait times increase, people who are in line are getting hungrier and hungrier and you know, perhaps more aggressive with each other. But they also can't just leave. They don't have anywhere else to go. Um, and so the line keeps getting bigger. But why, let's say while this is happening now, some of the chairs and tables start to get broken. And now we have even fewer seats, but more people in line. This makes wait times and lines even crazier. So, so what's the solution? The, the solution isn't for the restaurant to simply fix the tables and chairs. Now they have this massive line. Even if they fix the tables and the chairs that are there, they won't have enough places to seat anywhere near the number of people that are waiting to get into the restaurant. And so you actually need a surplus just to, to get back to the normal wait time that it was before the tables and chairs were broken, you need to get a surplus of more than 100 seats for the customers just to go back to what that wait time was. And then to go back to the no wait time scenario, you have to, I don't know, double, triple the amount of, of seats for, for people. It, obviously, this is all theoretical. I don't have an actual, here's the actual number of people waiting, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm just trying to paint the picture for you. Even if we go back to 2019 inventory levels, that's not enough because we have a glut of buyers that are in line right now that are getting desperate and ratcheting up the arms race. And, um, and, and there's not a clear solution for, for when this is going to self-correct. Um, again, new construction has slowed down dramatically due to COVID. We're having uh, many, many sellers who are waiting to find the house that they can buy before they attempt to sell their house. So that is also driving down inventory levels. It used to be that you would put your home up for sale and then go looking for the house that you wanted to move into. Well, guess what? When there's almost no houses to move into, nobody wants to list their home for sale because they're afraid that they'll get that under contract and then have nowhere to go. So there are fewer houses on the market, and it perpetuates the cycle even more. Crazy. Um, the, the only two things that I could see slowing the market down, and I'm not going to put a time frame on this because I, I just don't know. I, I've stopped guessing. Buyer fatigue, which, mean, which is when buyers just drop out of the market because they're so exhausted with it, and mortgage rates starting to go up. Those are the two things... In the short term, obviously a global recession or something like that, you know, which we which are really hard to predict, obviously could 
slow down the market substantially. But given current conditions, given what we know about new construction and all of that, really the only two things that I could see putting somewhat of a damper on the market is buyer fatigue and mortgage rates starting to go up. Um, and I have heard and seen some signs of buyer fatigue um, in that Odd Lots podcast I referenced. They said that they're seeing in some very, very unique cases, not market-wide, but in some very unique cases, um, that there are some markets where they're no longer getting uh, above what a house is listed for. Um, but w what does that mean? That's not happening in this market. Um, you have to you have to look at every market differently. Greenville weathered the storm in 2008, 2009 much better than New York City and and San Francisco and those types of markets did. Um, so I don't see that happening uh, in Greenville to the point of of uh, people listing their homes not getting as much as they uh, as they previously had. Um, but I am seeing some a little bit of buyer fatigue. I've had a few buyers drop out of the market and just say we're just going to kind of cool things off and just kind of just kind of wait for the market also to to cool off. But then what happens when when that happens? What happens when the market does start to cool down and those buyers come back in? Will there be a second wave? I, I mean, nobody knows. We can't predict what exactly is going to happen. Um, if and when mortgage rates go up, they will. Um, we just don't know exactly when or or how high. Um, but how long will it take for things to slow down to get that glut of buyers through? You know, uh, how long will it take for the restaurant line to finally dwindle its way down? That there's only five people in front of you instead of fifty people in front of you. How long will that take? We don't know. Um, I'm hoping. I, I think mortgage rates will go up a little bit uh, before the end of the year. I'm not hoping for that, but I, you know, not for my buyer clients, but I think that that will happen. Maybe, maybe that combined with entering the winter months will cool things off a little bit, a little bit. Again, are we going to see inventory go, go back up to May 2019 levels when it was still a seller's market? I don't think so. I don't think that's going to happen this year. So it's going to be a seller's market through the end of the year. That is going to happen. It's going to be a seller's market well into next year. We we have so much self-correction that has to happen for it to flip from a seller's market to anything close to an equal market. Um, I, I can't see it flipping in that way for at least two years. That's my that's just my opinion. Um, it, it would take there would be so many different things that would have to happen for that to happen, that I just don't see it happening. And again, with these, with all these buyers relocating from out of town, specifically to the upstate of South Carolina, um, these sleepy Gen Xers waking up and realizing that it, the time is ripe for them to buy a house, all of these things converging at once, um, you know, even if interest rates go up a little bit, um, is that going to just cause those buyers to drop out of the market? Even if rates go up, into the high threes, that's still very, very low historically. Very low historically. My first mortgage interest rate was 6.5%. Uh, that wasn't that long ago. That was 10 years ago. Um, so rates are still extremely low. But we do see a correlation between how low rates are and how crazy the buyer market, the buyer side of real estate is. So we will see, as rates go up, we will see a little bit of a cooling off. But it's not going to be a, okay, 
now, uh, you know, we're able to, to offer, you know, $15,000 below what a house is listed for. No, that, that we're not going to see that for a while. We are not going to see that for, for, for quite some time, I believe. Um, so I hope that, that this is helpful to give you guys some perspective. I'm getting a lot of questions. What, where is this market going? What's it doing? I wanted to study it. I wanted to research it. I wanted to provide as well uh, a harmony of, of that research with my own anecdotal experiences that I'm having, having. And so this is the episode where I did that. I hope that's helpful for you guys. If you have any questions, let me know. If you have any real estate needs, for sure, let me know. Rate, review, subscribe to the show. Make sure you don't miss future episodes. I appreciate you guys. I look forward to hearing from you, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of the week.